What's up, everybody? <laughs> you know, we're glad to uh, uh, continue our series here on A Heart for the House and uh, started talking last week about uh, what God is saying to us right now in this moment. We've got a great future ahead. I totally believe in that. Our uh, better days are ahead, uh, <laughs> you know, and um, uh, we're excited about what's happening across the street, the expansion of our campus, a new worship center, new children's building. But God's been talking to us also about right now right. and investing, living, growing right where we are, being faithful uh, with the present. And so we want to talk about unwrapping gifts as a way that God is developing a heart for the house here uh, among us. And you might think that this morning Will and I are just um, rightfully asking men and women everywhere to pray for the spirit of David to come upon the Los Angeles Dodgers, that we would be giant killers and hold the head of giants in our hands. In Jesus' name. But... But that's not the only thing we're, we're, we're uniformed for this morning. You know, there's, um, there, there's a beauty in solo sport, in, in, in watching a heavyweight fighter knock out in a fury, yeah, you know, his opponent. There, there, there's there's a, a, a certain... Unique beauty in the legalized blood sport of MMA, yeah. you know, uh, that, that one-on-one confrontation. For the more genteel among us, you know, there is that beauty of uh, uh, tennis uh, and, and the quiet applause of the golf clap, you know. Um, but those are all solo sports. God never designed the church to be a solo sport. Where it's dependent on a few players playing, and the rest of people just watching. The church is much more like a baseball team in which every individual in the lineup plays their role, but every, every individual in the lineup also has to take a turn at bat. And God is moving the American church from what it's become which is a worship of a few superstar players, back to his original design, where it takes the whole body of Christ, all of us contributing, to fully build a winning team for this time and this purpose. So, you know, I'm, I'm uh, representing the, the, the heritage of the house, the Brooklyn Dodgers and the prophet Jackie Robinson, who on April 15th, 1947, broke the color line just like Galatians 326. And Will is representing the present hope of the house. You know, I'm glad Cody Bellinger's bat is finally heating up and, you know. But God wants us to move away from a superstar solo mentality when we think about church. Because I believe in the prophetic vision that God has spoken over this house for generations, now entering its third. I believe in the prophetic vision spoken over you and those that, that were uh, going to be attracted to you about a, a pistachio field without end and a harvest coming to Kern County like we'd never seen before. But this is, I, is, I know this, to see those things happen that are in the heart of God, we have to, it will not happen by a few superstar players. Everyone, the entire body of Christ, has to be activated. Everyone's got to be willing to take their turn at bat 
And I believe then we're going to see things happen like the early church saw. So these verses out of Romans is sort of what really struck you well. Beginning in chapter uh, 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself or herself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So Paul opens up here and says, there are two mistakes people make. One is that you think that it all depends on you, and it's all about you. So you think that you are actually more important to the body than anybody else. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But there's another mistake that, that can be made. Because he ends this verse by saying, every single one of you has been given a measure of faith that activates the gift God has given you. And you can undervalue that in a way that makes you not contribute it to the well-being of the body. Everyone, without exception, has been given a measure of faith, that faith that activates and moves the gifts God's created us with. So... We are to think with sober or sound judgment, not too high, not too low. Goes on and explains it this way. For as in one body, we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And this is a tension Paul is trying to hold together is that, yes, each person is designed uniquely by God to contribute something that only can be given through them. At the same time, it is all for the purpose that we are one body together. All of us are significant, but none of us is really more important than the other. Each person counts. Goes on and gives an example of some of these gifts. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them, right? God has given every single one of you a gift. Paul here is telling you, use it. Put it into action. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who encourages, in his encouragement. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality." And, you know, well, as we begin talking through this passage and uh, you started to share with the things that God had really impressed on your heart, one of the things that stood out to us was how Paul brings together the unwrapping of gifts in the body and this word hospitality. According to the gifts that differ, according to the grace given to us, that's how he starts the passage, but he ends it, seek to show hospitality. And Peter, when he's writing again on spiritual gifts, opens it in 1 Peter 4, 9 to 10, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling as each of you has received a gift. Use it to serve one another. What, what strikes you as far as why it's so important 
that we focus on hospitality as a way of unwrapping the gifts in the body. Yeah, I, I think we see that uh, hospitality is one of the gifts where it's not how much you know about the Bible or about Jesus, but how much of the Bible you're going to live and how much you're going to allow Jesus to be seen in and through your life. Um, hospitality is a, is a true reflection, I believe, of not only the face, but the heart of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Jesus said, hey, I, I didn't come uh, to be served, but I, but I came to serve, right? I, I came to love, to encourage, to, to, to unravel those gifts and, and give those gifts to others, but also to expose those gifts to you and allow you to see that in yourselves. Hospitality is, it just reminds me of even that portion of scripture where Jesus is like, hey, when I was in prison, you, you visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. And they said, but Jesus, when were you in prison and when were you naked? And, and, and when, 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 when were you poor without food? And he says, when you do, you do it onto them, onto the least of these, you do it onto me. Yeah, that's right. And I believe that hospitality is is not only uh, the church being fully active and fully supportive of who Christ is, but it's a true reflection of who he is. The reality is this. I believe that if we are not being hospitable, if we are not welcoming the stranger, if we are not loving the guest, if we are not being an encourager and bringing in those that we do not know, then we're just being a body of people who are just... Um, entertaining one another in a building we are not being the church come on yeah. right okay go ahead but if you really want to be the hands and feet if you really want to be a reflection of who jesus is if you really want to operate as the full function of the church then i believe it's going to take a generation to say i am i, I am going to welcome and love the stranger. I am, I am going to be uh, the, the hands and feet of God. I'm going to love those that I don't even know. I'm going to bless those that, I, that, that maybe not, might not even be willing or able to bless me back. Right. Um, I'm just going to be who God's called me to be. So I believe hospitality is necessary. It is, it is, um, it is the future of the church, but it's the now of the church. Yeah. If we can't welcome uh, people uh, and to be hospitable is to be a hospital. It is it's like truly it's to welcome anyone in who might be broken, hurting, going through loss or difficulty and saying, hey, you know, what? we're willing to be a part of the healing process with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, if we if we can't be that, then we're not being the church. So in order to be the church, we need hospitality. You know, that's um, powerful that we certainly need to welcome in those who we don't know. But hospitality can be also welcoming in the person we're worshiping next to from the church that just merged with us that we don't know yet. Say what? You know, and one thing that's, you know, so impressed me about uh, the culture that has come in with you and those, uh, you know, that were part of your core team is you guys open your homes to each other and have welcomed me into into many things. You know, we live in a culture in which most of us don't actually entertain in our home. We, yeah. we meet at a restaurant, we meet, maybe meet in the park. But, um, uh, you know, it's, it's just shaped us so much that so many of your leaders are people who open their homes to welcome us in to their homes. You know, that, that plate of enchiladas that 
uh, Anthony yeah. and uh, was preparing for the worship night. Man, that's hospitality, you know, right there. And some of the other meals, I, when uh, people have welcomed us into their home, uh, it does something for us as a body to be able to say, welcome into my space. Right. We don't need to meet in a neutral space. And here's the thing I think Paul is telling us and Peter is telling us by tying the idea of hospitality, the, the ability to make someone feel like they belong at home. Right. He t- they tie that to the function of the gifts because I believe that we will never fully realize the gifts that God has put within us if we don't have a heart of hospitality, if we don't open our lives and our space to welcome people in. I hear all the time, uh, and it's a great question, you know, pastor, how do I really discover the gifts God has given me? How do I discover what I'm supposed to be doing with my divine design? And we have classes, you know, and uh, tools to help you with that. We're looking forward in January, a part of our equip course to be able to, to guide people through that question. But this is the thing I know. If you are looking to exercise your gift in a way for you to find your personal significance and to not find your significance within community, you will never fully realize who God created you to be because the gifts are meant to be given to others out of a heart of hospitality. I'm in agreement with that. And uh, I think more now than ever, we have an opportunity to see what those gifts might be and, and really dig deeper and say, okay, I thought that this might have been the only, only gift biblically, but God right. is saying, here, I'm laying out so many other gifts, and you might not have seen what you're doing as a gift. And I believe that God is giving us opportunity to say, you know what? Hey, I, I didn't know that that was actually a gift from God. And now that I'm reading this portion of scripture, see, I, 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 I didn't really know I was holding much. So Yeah, you know, Paul, as he goes on and develops it, that's exactly where he goes. Is he talks about... Um, the, the gifts of being uh, differing, they're differing gifts, but they are of equal importance. So he says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who encourages in his encouragement, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And there are a range of gifts given here. And sometimes people actually do say, I don't feel like I have a gift. What, what do you make of that when, when that question comes up? Yeah. So many of the, of the gifts have been highlighted yeah, in the true. church world. So it's, it's like, oh, they're prophetic. Right. And, and thank God for the prophetic people, right? But they're prophetic. They teach. They preach. Like we, they hold, we hold the microphone. So they think those are the gifts, right? Those are the gifts. And then Jesus says, Hey, here's, here's some gifts, generosity, you know, um, leading, uh, or, or, um, hospitality. You, what? If you don't know that they're a gift, then you don't value them. Right? So a lot, a lot of you might be holding on to these gifts of hospitality and generosity and, and just being able to just love on people with, with such great expertise. And you're not even knowing that that's like an amazing gift. 
And, 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 and in the church world, we, we, we look at these other gifts and we think, but those are the real gifts. But what God is saying today to you is if you have generosity, it's just as great as prophecy. Come on. <laughs> if, <laughs> yeah. If you have a heart of hospitality, it's just as great as teaching. What? Like, how, how is this, how is this even possible? This is what God is saying to you today. These are gifts. They're great gifts. It's not just one or the other. And, and, and we need to see that, you know what? God has given us a, a position and opportunity on the baseball field. That's right. He's given us, he's given us an opportunity to, to carry the body together, to be one. The ear is just as important as, as the toe and the feet, right? It's like you, you need all of it in order to be the full functioning body. Yeah. And I, I think don't, don't allow the enemy to lie to you and say that you don't carry any gifts, that you're not anointed for anything. That's the biggest lie. You are totally gifted. You are totally anointed. You are called with a purpose. And God has just said, you know what? I've given you this gift of hospitality. How are you going to use it? I've given you this gift of generosity, giving of your time, giving of yourself, giving of your, of your, your finances, giving of, of the food, of your portions. You, 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 you love people well. These are gifts. A lot of times you're thinking, man, I don't prophesy, so I'm, I'm useless. No, 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 no. What you're doing unto them, you're doing unto the Lord. Yeah. And God is saying, thank you, my child, for being that loving person, that kind person. It's great. You know, it's so intentional what Paul is saying here, because he lists leadership and serving in the same list. They're of equal value, value yep. to God. He lists prophecy and those who do an act of mercy that nobody ever sees to that one in need as the same value in the body. And, and, you know, it's so true that if you don't um, recognize that the whole range of gifts are equally valuable, you may very well think, I don't have anything to give. But when you think, I don't have anything to give, you are living in a contrary way to God's word, which says, I've given you something to give. And we need it as a family. You know, if we, I, I love prophecy. And uh, as a house, we value prophecy. I have them written down, uh, the words that have been spoken over me. I re-listen to them, the ones I have, you know, the cassettes for, the DVDs for, and now the MP3, you know, for. Uh, I, I listen to them all. Uh, I listen to the words over this house. And I, I, we value the prophetic word. Um, at the same time, if our house was only led by prophetic vision, and we did not have administrators and helpers and servants, we would be a mess full of vision and having total chaos and confusion, people's feelings getting hurt all the time. We would not be effective if the entire range of how God designed a body to function was active and functioning. We need you. You know, and in an age in which there's so much pressure to be an influencer, I wish that more and more had the heart of Jesus that said, I want to learn to be more and more a servant of all. Mm. Wow. 
maybe we should be less concerned about adding our own followers and be more concerned about being more fully a follower of Christ and come against the culture. It's so crazy that you say that. And I feel like, you know, you just called out my old will of a few years back because uh, even with like my social media and stuff, I, I, I recognize like, okay, I can have influence. People are hearing what I'm saying, but what am I saying? You know, and, and that could just, that's a whole addition deal for today. Um, with your social media, you know, yeah, you're giving a little bit of yourself. You're putting yourself out there. Uh, but what are your core values? Like what truly matters to you? And uh, this whole gospel message is so important to me that I've said, you know what? I'm going to use this platform that I have to expose God's goodness to those that don't know his goodness to, to just let people know who he is. Um, so even some of the, the financial investments, time investments that I make uh, through my social media now, I just want to encourage people with the message of hope and grace. Um, so it's good that you're saying that because before it was like, okay, maybe how, how can we just get people following me for me? Yeah. And, and, and in the end, it's like, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. That's right? absolutely right. So, yeah, come on. <laughs> You know, um, the Apostle Paul used the greatest technology of his day, the Roman roads, to spread, spread the gospel. Yeah. Martin Luther used the greatest technological breakthrough of his day, the printing press, wow. to bring the word of God back to the hands of the common Woo. individual. I believe we should be using social media wow. in an important way, but it is about so that we can generate more followers of Christ. That's so good. In what we're doing. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, you have an ease in filming yourself from this far away and talking spontaneously, man. Let I just a smile. I value that. I respect that. I can't do that. You know, I got to have a script and two cameras and, you know, a teleprompter. But, but whatever, whatever gifting we got, I believe it's all about using it for the glory of God. It's all about taking it, that, taking that and letting it serve the body as a whole. Yeah. And that's what I believe the heart of uh, Paul is uh, conveying here is we all have differing gifts. Each of us value the unique gift God has given us. God doesn't give gifts to people on his A list and then a different set of gifts to people on his loser list. So you better not treat your gift like you're on a loser list with that gift. It is valuable to the kingdom of God. And it's a part of the heart of Jesus that that gift expresses. Release it for a heart for the house. Yeah. And maybe, you maybe you're holding multiple gifts and you don't even know it. Right. We're talking about, uh, well, I want to talk about last night's Dodger game. Yeah. Um, as me and my boys were in the living room screaming at the TV, you probably heard me from down the street. Yeah, I didn't know if it was pain or faith, but I, I, I heard this, and we don't even live in the same sector of town, but right, yeah. it was, it was faith. intense. It was faith. Uh, Julio Urias, who is the pitcher for the Dodgers uh, last night, you know, he has this gift of pitching, right? Exactly, yeah. He, his vision, he was born with, with bad vision. Yeah. A matter of fact, he's had multiple surgeries on his left eye, but one of the commentators said that he said in an interview, you know, I, I have a bad left eye, but God gave me a great left arm. Yeah, and um, and uh, it's crazy because his, his 
expertise is pitching, pitching, pitching. And last night he had an opportunity to come to the plate uh, in bat while there was two men on base, uh, second and third base, I believe it was. And uh, he could have said, you know what? I'm gifted to pitch. I'm sorry, coach. Like, I I can't bat right now. Then he would have to be stripped out of the game and they would have to bring in a substitute. And, and, you know, because that's a lot of pressure. There's a man on second and third base. We want to win this game. But, you know, the coach said, hey, you can do this. You're gifted for it. But imagine if he would have pulled himself out and not went up to that plate. Last night, he had the opportunity to not only bat, but to see that pitch with his jacked up eye and hit that ball. And he brought in those two runs. And the Dodgers ended up winning that game. A pitcher in that position is, is, is normally not, they're not really great hitters unless you're yeah. a, Otani from the Angels. Got that Asian blood in you. Yes. To help you. You know. So Uriah's brought in these two runs and, and, and how amazing it was. The church, maybe you're looking at yourself and you're saying, I'm only gifted in this area. Or, or, you know, I, I don't really have that gift. I'm not called to that place. I, I, I'm, I'm going to forfeit my position. And God is calling you to the plate. He's giving you the bat. And he's saying, swing, son. Swing, daughter. Come on. See if I don't give you the this, this strong hand and the eye to see in this moment. I believe that God is wanting to direct our lives in such a great way. But unfortunately, so many times we look at our gift as not enough. And if you see your position or even yourself or what you're doing as not enough, then you'll walk out that way. But God is saying, I've gifted you for such a time as this. Step up to the plate and hit, baby, hit. Come on. Let's win this. Let's win this city for Jesus. Right? Come on. I think that also at times we have in our mind a context in which certain gifts can only be exercised. Mm. So maybe we have a prophetic gift, but in our mind, the place for that prophetic gift to be exercised is in front of a group of adults in a particular type of meeting. But here's why I want to tell you from my heart. We need the prophetic activated in our children's ministry. We need our prophetic gifts activated over our youth. What more important time of life than when you're a child or a young person to have God's destiny and confidence spoken over your life. We need the serving gift in every area of our life as a church. We need generosity in every area of our life as a church. So maybe part of one reason we've held back a bit from expressing what God has given us to contribute is that we have a preconceived idea of it only belongs in this setting where all of our family needs all of our gifts all of the time. You know, Paul goes on here and he talks about not only having gifts, but how we are to exercise them, the attitude of heart that they're supposed to be expressed with. And so uh, here back in Romans uh, verse 8, then jumping to verse 10, the one who contributes in generosity. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And so having talked about gifts, 
he then immediately moves to these ideas of honor and patience and generosity. And I know this really hit you as we started to discuss this passage. What stood out to you, Will? Yeah, uh, definitely uh, verse 10 of, of chapter 12 here. Uh, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Uh, I think I'm, a, I don't know if I'm a performer by nature or, or what it is about me, but I always want that acceptance or, or to be loved and appreciated. You know, I don't know if that's in any of you, but for me, that's just something that, you know, I've, I've, I've been known, I know about myself about. Um, so this portion of scripture just sticks out to me because growing up, I grew up in a, a performance driven church, uh, where you had to make sure you looked a certain way, acted a certain way, um, just presented yourself a certain way in order to, to maybe fill some of the gaps or be in leadership or, you know, you're not, you might be called by God, but you're not called by this church, you know, because A, B, and C, whatever it may be. Uh, so I was constantly trying to outperform others mm. in order to be accepted. And God's giving us an opportunity to outperform or outdo one another in honor. Wow. Like, what? So love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another wow. in honor, in showing honor. I, I think about this portion of scripture and I'm just like, man, Lord, what are you trying to speak to us right now? And I recognize even our relationship. Uh, I believe there's been a, a brotherly love, right? You've, you've shown me love and acceptance coming into the garden just in the last six months of us now being married as a church, right? As one body. And I look at the faces who are sitting here at our 9 a.m. service and I think, wow, look at what God's blessed us with. Then I look at our 11 a.m. service and I'm like, wow, look at what God's blessed us with. And I'm just thinking, this family is amazing. But there's been so much love and I believe honor just reflecting from you. You definitely carry this heart of God and I, I just appreciate what you do. And there's not, not one person that can say that I've said a negative word about you. And I don't see myself speaking a negative word because I honor the man of God that you are, right? But I also appreciate the love that you give. And I believe that what's reflecting even out of me and in my honor is a response to the love that you've given. And I think it's, a, it's the same way with Jesus, right? In our relationship with Jesus, it's like Jesus, he so loved the world that he, he sacrificed himself, right? The, the, the sacrifice was amazing. And in that, I have a response that honors who he is and what he's done and what he's accomplished on my behalf. And I look at just this relationship we have as a body because, man, I've heard of merges before and I've heard just ridiculous stories of them and just how, you know, you just don't do a merge. And uh, I can honestly say, man, just this whole process, this coming together has been so peaceful because I believe the man of God that you are, the, the love that you carry, the honor that you carry, not only towards me, but towards people. And not only do I see it, I believe that they see it also. But here's the deal. If we are able to honor one another and, and, and my job is to outdo you in honor, right. that even in moments where you might be bringing uh, correction or, or, or um, just uh, areas of, of um, direction, I'm able to say, 
am I respecting you in response? Am I honoring you in these times? And, and I believe that even as we do that from the top, it will trickle down into the body. Yeah. Right? right. And, and this is just an opportunity for us as, as the church to really say, hey, how are we honoring? How are we outdoing our brothers in honor? Even when I don't feel like I'm being loved, am I loving? Even when I feel like maybe I'm not being respected in this moment, how, how am I showing respect? Oh, man, I, they're not honoring me right now, but am I going to be one who honors? And if you can do that, then I believe you truly are carrying this heart of Jesus. So that's what sticks out to me is just this, this brotherly love, but this outdoing and honor. I want to outperform you in honor. Come on. <laughs> you know, the... Um... I appreciate that so much. Yeah. And um, this is honestly our relationship behind the scenes. Right. Is um, I have a, a high respect and honor for you. I have to tell you from time to time, don't defer to me. We, we need you at full strength. We need all your ideas. We need you to fully lead uh, with me. You know, we need to lead together right, right now. And I, I felt that. And that that's... Uh, been a grace, I think, in our relationship. And to me, church family, the most dishonorable thing that we could do for you is to come up here and put on a show like we're getting along great and behind the scenes be bickering and fighting and tearing down each other and trying to divide the church according to our party or your party. That would be so disingenuous. But I really do want you to know that our ability to just have a conversation up here is is Sunday through Saturday for us, is that we, we just talk. And there has been a supernatural grace, I think, for to honor and to trust and respect. It's not to say that we haven't had to learn each other. Right. Uh, we have uh, had to gain perspective or widen, you know, the way that we process things or uh, that we look at things. I think I might have lost this. Okay. Um, but, but what we got, God is gracious here, we definitely believe is something he wants our entire body to experience. That each of you honors those in your family now with this competitive spirit <laughs> that I'm going to win at giving you more honor than you give me. What would happen to a culture in which dishonor and disrespect is, is really the, the dominant tone of our social interaction, our politics, what if there was a kingdom of God, a kingdom that honors all, a kingdom that respects all, a kingdom that knows when I honor somebody, I don't give away my dignity. Actually, I show my dignity by being a person that is uh, honoring what we could do to transform our world. I believe our city needs more and more models of what outdoing each other in honor can do. Now, what do you think about that line that says, be patient in tribulation? Like that one? Yeah, we, I think we struggled with that one a little bit in the last 10 years. Two days. My gosh. Okay, rejoice in hope. This is verse 12, y'all. Be patient in tribulation. This took out to me, uh, it stood out to me big time because... Um, In the season that we're in as, as a world, right, you have to have patience. Uh, as a state, we have to have patience. Um, 
as a body of believers, we have to have patience. But you know what we must do even beyond that patience? Be constant in prayer. That's what it says. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. I believe that God, even through this message, is speaking into our now. He's speaking right into our situation, where we're at as a generation, what we're facing, what we're going through. In, in this last two weeks, you and I both have just experienced personal loss within our families. And then those who we're laboring amongst and doing ministry with, we've seen loss and just difficulty and just different situations going on, whether it be health, uh, financial, physical, emotional, mental, just a bunch of different things that we're kind of dealing with behind the scenes and, and, and praying with families, meeting with families, just going through that whole process. And our, our main uh, encouragement, obviously, is to bring the Prince of Peace, Jesus, into every situation, uh, but also to walk out in patience with others and be patient even through our own process. Right. It's difficult. But he's giving us an opportunity to say, hey, rejoice, celebrate yeah. in the good. But be patient when things aren't looking so good. Because in that patience of even in the middle of the storm, you're, you're going to see everything settle. Yeah. And... Um, I don't even know how to say this, but in certain situations, I think, man, sometimes you, you just feel like you're just, everything's hitting the fan. Like, you know, everything looks bad. Like, what is going on? How can I be patient in this season? And God is saying, trust in me. Rest in me. Know who I am. Walk with me. Learn from me. Learn the un, un, unforced rhythms of grace. Right? Watch how I do it. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I believe that, that God's calling us into, into a season where we can have patience even in difficulty, but it's difficult to have patience in difficulty. Sure is. You know, the, um, uh, one of my least favorite verses of the Bible, I've got about 20 of them, right. but um, <laughs> James, uh, James writes, let patience have its perfect work that you might be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And when I'm trying to get out of my tribulation, my discomfort, sooner than God is allowing me to, I am short-circuiting the work of the Holy Spirit to bring something to my life of greater intimacy with God, greater trust with God, maybe an exposure of an area of fear or doubt yeah. in my heart. and. Um, God's not short of cash. He can build that building tomorrow with a single check. But in the delay right now, are we saying, Father, what are you trying to show us in this time? And I do believe he's saying, if you don't have a heart for this house, you won't have a heart for that house. So let that faithful stewardship grow in you right now. We got, we got to accept that, that uh, God has designed times that stretch our patience actually for our benefit and not try to get out of them as quickly and with as much effort as we're trying to learn in the midst of them. Father, sh reveal your heart to me. 
reveal your purpose in time. Wow. That's, that's so good. And I, I think just even on that topic of honoring the house now, we have an opportunity to not only partner with our gifts, but also see a different gift come alive in us. Generosity. So, generosity is a gift, but we've treated it as a burden. Because how can I give from the little that I have? And God is saying, learn to give from the little that you have. Like, so we have vision for the future. The now might not look as great as what we want it to look. Yeah, I heard that you have some question about my earlier attempts at interior design, you know, in our sanctuary here. Well, I'm not going to lie. First, I said, man, you guys, like, they, they, it was an old YMCA, right? Yeah. So they did all this stuff in here. I'm just thinking, man, they, they, when they purchased it, you know, the, obviously the gym had carpet on the walls. And then I found out in the meeting this week, Pastor David said, no, I put the carpet on the walls. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> I'm not going to lie, Pastor David. I didn't say anything in the meeting, but I was just thinking, the devil is a lie. <laughs> like, what? Why? Right? Um, so you got a vision for something better? Right. So October 24th, um, you got a handout there. October 24th, we're going to be uh, taking up a one-time gift. And we're, we're asking you as, as the house to partner with this house. As the body to partner with this house. Amen? Uh, what we're wanting to do is, uh, and I love how it says next month on there, because we're not talking about a few years down the line. We're talking about now. As of the second week of November, we are going into full construction for 13 to 14 full days in this building right here. We're, we're partnering up with a team. We're going to get quotes on um, redoing the walls. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna lift up this carpet, uh, the magic carpet, and we're gonna fly away. And we're going to put new flooring in here. Amen. And we are going to rid of this aluminum foil on the back. I'm just kidding. No, it's been great designs. But we're, what we're going to do is we're going to put a full LED screen up on the back here. We're going to remove these projectors. We're going to add TVs to the side. And we're going to paint the staging black here. We're going to add some new lighting fixtures, not only on the siding of the wall, but even here in the house. Um, there's some behind the scenes things that we're wanting to um, upgrade also uh, for those that are watching us on live stream, some cameras. If, if the finances come in for us to be able to do that, I, I shouldn't say if, when the finances come in for us to be able to do that. Um, 
October 24th is an opportunity for you to partner beyond your tithes and your offering. It went quiet real quick. Because I know what we think. We think, oh, well, I'm already giving my 10%, you know, so they could take out of that to give. No, we're not going to touch the 10%. We are going to take up a special Heart for the House offering. Heart for the House gift that will go towards the second week of November for us to turn this mug upside down and give a whole new look. So with that, you received a card. And on that card, on the back, we are asking for your, your shirt size, right? Uh, but we're also asking you to pray with your spouse, pray with your family. You don't have to turn this card in today even though we would love for you to do so. But we would love to, for you to pray about what we're gonna honor God with, what we're gonna give towards this house. Uh, and then on the other side of that card, beyond giving, we wanna talk about what your spiritual gifts are, what, what, what God has graced you, what he's given you to give uh, as a gift. Not only generosity, but what do you, what do you call to do? A heart of hospitality. Have you been anointed to, to prophesy or to teach? What gifts are stirring up on the inside of you? And I want you to actually fill out on the bottom of that card what you feel like God has gifted you with. Because we also, for the heart for the house, want to understand how you could partner with this house. Hey, you say, yo, I'm gifted to teach. Well, come on, let's get you some teaching then. I'm gifted to prophesy. Well, come on now, let's put you in some prophetic eagle's nest groups and some prayer groups and let, let's, let's, let's get something going. We want to we wanna partner with you. And we want to establish a greater house. Amen? amen? Somebody say amen. Amen. So we love you, church family. Prayer teams, why don't you make your way up front? And Pastor Will, why don't you close us in prayer? Yeah. So God, we just thank you. We thank you for your generosity. For God so loved the world that he gave. And we thank you that you're a God that continues giving that continues to be generous, that continues to be good, that continues to be graceful to us, even when we feel we don't deserve your grace, even when we feel like we're in a hopeless uh, state of mind, even when we feel like everything's falling apart, you, you're still God and you're still good. And Lord, we just pray that we, we learn to trust you with our lives. We learn to trust you with our time. We learn to trust you with our finances. We learn to trust you with our possessions. We learn to trust you with our families, trust you with our health. Trust you with all of our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Wow. Trust the Lord God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understandings, but acknowledge him in all of your ways. I'm believing for full direction today, Jesus. Thank you for directing our lives. Thank you for showing us things about ourselves that we did not even know about us. And thank you for giving us true direction in our lives. We give you glory. We give you full praise. And we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you. God bless God. Hey, listen, church, if you fill out, it, fill out that card, you could drop it in the free will box, or next week, bring it back, give it to one of our ushers, our greeters. We love you guys. If you're watching online, welcome. Let us know what city you're watching from. Bless y'all. We'll see you.